Hey, y'all. You're listening to How I Got Here with Drina Whitfield, the podcast that dives deep into the unique journeys of some of the dopest entrepreneurs, business leaders, and personalities I know. I'm your host, Drina Whitfield. I created this podcast to have real, honest conversations about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Grab your notebook, sit back, relax, and catch these gems. Today, I'm chatting with CEO and co-founder of Natural Skincare Line, Cream Blend, and owner and chief content officer of the creative agency, Distinct Life. Yolanda, together, you and your husband, Rick, have collaborated on not just building dope companies, but you also have a beautiful family. And more recently, you have been announced as the creative director for the St. Regis Hotel in Detroit, which is dope. And I really wanted to have you on the podcast just because I think you and Rick are amazing. I think you're amazing just as a mother, as mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, as a fitness influencer, because we're going to get you some checks. <laughs> and <laughs> I wanted to, you know, I wanted people to hear a little bit about your journey and how you got to this place where you where you are today. Okay. So thank you for joining me. Thanks, Drina. You know, you're one of my favorites. So I got the I'm like, okay, I must really have made it. If Drina, I could be, you know, knock it off. Just stop. (laughs) So, what I always do in these interviews, I like to take it all the way back. Okay. And I want to ask you, Yolanda, when you were graduating high school, Mm -hmm. if you remember, because I personally don't remember what I wrote, but if you remember when you were graduating in your high school yearbook, what did you write when it said, I will be in 10 years, what? Um, a writer. Hmm. I've always, that's the main thing that has never changed. You know, like, you know, you have so many different careers and businesses over the years. That's been the one constant that I, that has been, been there since I was a kid. Like, oh, wow. So what kind of writer did you, like, what kind of writer did you want to be like editorial? You wanted to write books? At the time, like I was writing. Um, so at, when I was in high school, I actually used to be um, myself and there's my friend Elsie. Um, we had like a poetry club where after schools we would host, you know, I think it was once a week we would host like open mics um, where different high school students were able to do poetry. Some of the teachers actually came and did poetry so it started off like when I first started writing, it was just like, you know, short stories, poetry. And then now I am a nonfiction writer. Ooh. I focus on, you know, just a lot of, you know, I have so many different pieces and stuff that I've written just based on my views on, you know, politics, education, religion, relationships, that type of thing. But of course, in high school, I didn't really know the direction, mm-hmm. you know, what type of writer, you know, I would be. I just knew that that was something that I wanted to do. Like when I was a kid, I remember before I could even write, I would take printer paper, like the old school printer paper. You remember the kind where you had to like rip the edges off? Uh-huh. I used to like doing that though. Yeah, I, I, I love that printer paper. Mm-hmm. But I would, you know, <laughs> build the edges off of the, the paper staple like a thick stack of it together and then I would just you know like even before I could write but I could write my name I would just put you know by Yolanda Spencer that's my maiden name and I remember Mm -hmm. I think that was kind of like you know like how people do like dream building and manifesting Mm -hmm. before we were even talking about that I think that was what I was doing as a little girl was you know just kind of painting this this future for myself like I I tell my kids all the time like this is something that I've always wanted to do. Mm, I love that. 
we're going to get back and I'm just putting on my PR hat right now because okay. I know you mm-hmm. because we've worked together. I'm going to tell you this because I didn't even know that you like writing like that. Yes. So you already know what I'm going to tell you to do. <laughs> <laughs> what? Especially in your home base and just even just built off the platform that you and Rick have built collectively, you need to start submitting some op-eds. Really? Okay. I'm with it. No, really. You know, I, I try to give you some nuggets every now and then when we Girl, speak. I have a whole arsenal of stuff I've written. That's just and just... even like see if you can approach like a publisher. Yeah, well, I'm at you know, so I'm actually working on a memoir. So it's in the second round of edits, uh, a memoir on on grief and how to mm. navigate through that. And so it's in the second round of uh, edits with the editor. So I'm, this is something that I'm going to, you know, self-publish this year, actually in July. So. Okay. So, yeah. So you want to self-publish. You haven't tried a publishing route yet. No. Not Why yet. is that? I just want to put it out. You know, like I'm not trying to wait, you know, years before I get picked up by a literary agent or mm-hmm. a publishing company in, in order to release it. But I figure, mm-hmm. you know, once you just start building your platform, like even when you get picked up by a publishing company, they want to know your, you know, your platform and your reach. And so I could start doing that, you know, now by building that. And then, hey, if somebody reached out and said, hey, Yolanda, we want to, you know, mm-hmm. back this or publish this, and I'm, you know, I'm all for it. But you keep more money when you do it yourself. Yeah, that's true. But they also... I mean, we'll talk offline about this. I know. You ain't, tell me, you ain't tell me to see this. I know. <laughs> it's working. And I mean, self-publishing is good. And it, like you said, you do get to keep a lot of the income, but it's, it's you know, it's a hustle. I know. Like, yeah. And you, you already got a lot on your plate. So I know a few literary agents and I know a few publishing contacts that I would love to connect do. with. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But let's take it back to the high school question. Okay. So. You wrote in your yearbook, you mm-hmm. wanted to be a writer. When you graduated high school, is that the educational route that you pursued? Yes. So when I graduated from high school, I um, enrolled into Oakland University, which is a university in Rochester, Michigan. And my major um, was English. So I have you know, a Bachelor of Arts degree in English for writing. And then I also have a master's degree in education. Mm-hmm. So curriculum development. So even when I started college, I knew, you know, even if I was going to teach, the English background would help me as a writer. So mm-hmm. that's always been, you know, always been my, you know, my focus. So when you graduated college, you went to, you went into the education field. Yes. So, okay. uh, you know, like when I graduated, so while I was in college, I, you know, I was substitute teaching, um, working as a preschool teacher. I was a kindergarten teacher before, which even now, you know, and I know we'll get to that later as a homeschool, per, you know, homeschooling my children, all of this stuff has came full circle. Um, it was something that I thought that I, you know, was done with. I'm an entrepreneur now. I'm not going back into education. And then the pandemic hit and we found ourselves homeschooling again. Mm-hmm. But after college, um, I did work in the educate, you know, in the education field right before starting Cream Blends. I actually worked for a an educational publishing company. So they published like textbooks and they did databases and educational materials for school districts. 
And mm-hmm. so I was in K through 12 sales. So I would work with um, like some of my client schools, principal superintendents that were on the East Coast, selling them and talking to them about like educational products and technology and stuff in their school. So I was in education, but a sales, mm-hmm. you know, the sales side of, you know, of education. Got and, it. And then that was the last job I, you know, I've had, you know, I had, and then I went full-time entrepreneurship. Yeah, I was going to say that's completely on the other end of the the spectrum from what you from what you do now professionally. Yes, yes. personally, yes, because like you say, you you home, y'all she homeschools her kids, and when I tell you, you have to follow her on social. Yolanda, what's your ID name again? It's at so my personal page is at Yolanda mm-hmm. so Y O L A N D A W L M S. Y'all go look and see how she homeschools. It's intense. I don't know how she does that. She has a curriculum. She has all these little organizational cubbies and she shares like the lessons that she, she does daily. Sometimes when she's not running her other two businesses, oh. she got a lot going on. Like I said, you'll see like it's, I don't understand how she does it all. But like I was saying, what you currently do now with clean blends and with distinct life, it's mm-hmm. completely different from your education background. So what led you, like, how did you make that transition from education to then launching this company with your husband, both both companies with your husband and getting into more of the creative space. Yeah. So when I was, you know, so when I was working for the, um, you know, like the educational sales company, um, my husband, Rick, since 2007 was already an entrepreneur and he was running, he was the co-founder and running a store, a sneaker boutique in Metro Detroit called Burn Rubber. So entrepreneurship was already in our household. But, you know, once you're starting a business 2007, he needed, you know, he needed a chance to kind of get everything rolling before both of us could be full-time entrepreneurs. So I was working um, still as, you know, at the educational sales company. I'm, I just don't want to name names. That's why I just keep calling it that. Um, <laughs> I was working there. And then we did that, you know, had health insurance. Any entrepreneur knows, you know, health insurance mm-hmm. is very expensive. So, we, you know, we did it, the, you know, the smart way. It wasn't like, hey, you know, we're going after our passion and we just going to quit jobs and and go 100 percent, you know, um, as business owners. So it took a minute for us to get to that, you know, to that point. And so once I decided that, OK, I want to leave the education field and work on my own. It wasn't necessarily like, hey, I definitely want to start a skincare company or we definitely want to start a brand development company. For me, it was more of just the freedom. Um, by that time, I had, you know, I, I had two children. By the time I, you know, was talking about leaving full time, I had two children and I wanted the freedom to be able to choose when I, you know, if they were sick and I, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to go to a boss and say, hey, you know, my son is sick at school or preschool or whatever. Can I leave and go get them? And, and it was for me, it was that waiting for permission mm-hmm. that I did not like. It, I felt like and I'm not saying, you know, I know that there are so many women and men that, you know, they have to work for someone, they have to, you know, put in their time ahead of time. But for me, it just wasn't something that, that I liked. I felt like I was being smothered. I felt, you know, that uneasiness and that stress when you would get a call like, oh, your son's sick from school, you have to come get him. And then I'll have to say, go to my boss and say, hey, you know, my son is sick. Is it okay if I leave early? You leave early and the next day you're not coming in because your kid's sick. You can't send them to school sick. Then you get sick because they were sick. Then now I got to call out. Like it was just a lot of mm-hmm. 
that. So for me, I tell people all the time, my jump into entrepreneurship along with Rick was because of the freedom aspect of it. Not saying that Rick didn't have that because he's a dad as well. But as a mother, sometimes I feel like it's a little more pressure on us than it is, you know, on men. And, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just my my experience. Mm-mm, listen, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. It's hard for me hey. to do it yeah, nope. with me as an entrepreneur and my husband does have a full-time job. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I thank God for, the, like, he has that stability on his side because, okay. you know, entrepreneurship, it goes up and down. Yes. And um, when you have a child in the mix or, ch- like, multiple children, you know, it can be pretty stressful. Yeah. But what what's one piece of advice you would give someone who is currently in that space right now where they're working a nine to five, mm-hmm. they want to d- jump into entrepreneurship because of that freedom aspect. Mm-hmm. What's one piece of advice you offer folks? Because people, a lot of folks will say, yeah, yo, I want that freedom. I'm going to just quit my job. And sometimes they'll have anything lined up. Yeah. Like from client, from a client, you know, um, space, but also like a, a personal lifestyle space. Cause that's what I did. But I was also super young when I, I quit my job to launch my company and had no responsibilities. But like for someone who does, what's one tip you can give them? One thing I tell people all the time, and I'm not trying to get anybody fired. um, I definitely, (laughs) I'm not the person that encourages people to quit. I've never been Mm -hmm. that person that looks down on people. You know, some people are like, hey, you're a business owner, but do you got a part-time job? And they kind of look down on you for, you know, for doing that. That's never been me. So Mm -hmm. one piece of advice that I tell people all the time is I built my business on the back of corporate America and having that stability. And during my lunch breaks, whether it was an hour lunch break that I got every single day, that's five hours a week. And I literally would be looking up formulas for skincare, looking up things that I can write, writing pieces during my lunch break taking vacation time, you know, when I can to just, Hey, I just want a day off. Just where take one day off. My kid is at school and I can just write and focus on my business goals and writing down the things that I wanted, you know, I wanted to do, but I use literally use every lunch break to build, you know, to, to help build my business. So by the end of the day, when I got home, there were, there were like deliverables and things that I needed to work on from what I built on my lunch break. You know, I would just yep. sit there and have these business meetings almost with yourself. Cause you're not really telling your other coworkers, you're not talking about it. Sometimes I would go in my car and literally listen to podcast interviews um, about business, about women who were doing, you know, by women who were doing what I was doing. I would sit at my desk, had, you know, like how everybody had their little AirPods or hit. We didn't have AirPods back then, actually. I would have my, you know, my my <laughs> earpiece in and I would be listen like working, but I would be listening to podcasts, getting encouraged by other women, men and women that were doing what I eventually wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, you know, I didn't feel like at the end of the day or when I left work that I hadn't invested anything into myself because I did. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, while you can you know, utilize that time until you're able to, you know, you, until you're able to leave. For some people, they may go to their, you know, their employer and say, hey, you know, I, I don't want to be full time. Is there, opp- you know, opportunity for me to be part time? Mm-hmm. You know, is there opportunity for me to work remotely? Like I just was always looking for ways to try to make it work, you know, as a mom, as a business owner and as, you know, as an employee. 
And I think sometimes we just get so stuck on you have to choose one Mm -hmm. and you don't. Like you can be an entrepreneur and still have a job. You could be a stay at home mom because you at home sometimes. Right. And then you can Mm -hmm. also be working. But I think sometimes we get so stuck in these, you know, in these roles. So while I was there, I just made sure that I utilized that time to all every single day invest something into myself, whether it was a podcast, whether it was me writing a business plan, whatever it was, I was not going to just give them all my time. But honestly, that's the smart way to do it. Yeah. Right. Because especially when you take into consideration all the other life factors, 401k, like you said, insurance. And just stability, like a steady paycheck to help fund that that business that you're building on the side. Yeah. I mean, you know how some people, you know, like they're passionate about something and they're like, hey, like there's a diff, like it's hard when you're passionate about it, but you also need the money from it right then mm-hmm. and then. It takes mm-hmm. the fun out of it. You yep. know, now you're like, I need this invoice paid. I need, you know, and you become desperate. And I didn't want mm-hmm. to be desperate. And I already knew what entrepreneurship was. And for a small business owner, there are times, you know, there were times Rick wasn't getting paid. Yep. No matter how many interviews or PR, you know, mm-hmm. articles or things that were published, you know, there are times when business is slow that you you have to decide, hey, do I pay my employee that's there or myself? Yep. And you pay. And that's, and that's a big misconception right there around entrepreneurship and just even brand awareness, right? So people, yeah. a lot of people will hire or try to even hire a PR firm or even approach with PR thinking like, yo, if I hire y'all, I'm going to be put on, I'm going to blow up. I'm going to be paid. Like I'm the money's just going to be rolling in. And there's a lot of other factors that contribute to what success looks like. Yeah. On, on like social, you mm-hmm. might look like you out here killing it, but when you go back to your bank account, it's, it's, sometimes it could be negative. Yeah. So, and people don't more, feel that side. Cause you know, we lost not. over here. You know, like people, mm-hmm. who, exactly. everybody a boss, you know, every mm-hmm. we bosses over here. We quoting Jay-Z lyrics and, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody a boss until it's time to pay for the office and all, you know, like, so I yeah. think people hide the fact that sometimes your account is negative. Sometimes mm-hmm. you don't have, you know, you don't have it. Sometimes somebody might reach out for an opportunity from, our, from PR that you got five years ago. And mm-hmm. they came across an article or a podcast interview or a magazine or, you know, whatever, like it doesn't always happen overnight. I mean, I tell people like, look, if you're looking for, I have a lot of friends that work in corporate America that make way more money than I do. Mm-hmm. And that's the life, you know, the life they chose. And some of them have no desire to be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You know, I just think we just have to find, you know, find what works best for us. But definitely don't just up and quit based on what you see on an Instagram post or any of that, because I know the real deal. Exactly. Exactly. But you, you touched on one point that you said while building cream blends and you were at your, your nine to five, mm-hmm. you were looking up like how to create formulas. So I was looking up like we had, I had already been talking to Rick about and Rick is my husband for those who don't know. So I'd already been talking to him about, you know, like, hey, you know, I, there's I want to find, you know, something that, you know, I can do. You know how you're trying to figure out what is my lane? I'm mm-hmm. not I love sneakers, but I'm not trying to be at the sneaker store, you know, in your lane. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is what, you know, he had a partner at it at the time. We weren't 
you know, it wasn't like Rick and I were running the sneaker, you know, this, this, uh, burn rubber, the sneaker store. He had a partner for that. So I was just looking up things that I could do. And I'm like, I was always creating things. Like I was always doing, you know, I was the mom, like if it was my turn to bring the treats, it was going to be special, like not just me picking up a, you know, a store-bought cake. It was like, okay, I'm going to get minion, you know, these little cupcakes, (laughs) minions, and then we're going to put minion cards with all, like, so I was always that DIY Pinterest type mom. So I started looking up, you know, just formulas for natural skincare. And, you know, how to make it. There was this girl at my job that would would make soaps and bring them in. And I asked, I was like, oh, I love these. Like, could you show me how to do them? And we never had, you know, she said she could, but I'm also an impulsive person. So once I had the idea in my head, I just, you know, by the time we ever got together, I had already started making soaps and stuff on my own. And then Mm -hmm. the rest history. So it started with soaps and then body butter and then scrubs and then oils and I just started giving them the, you know, to friends and family. But the original like formulas and stuff started what I wanted to put in it, how I wanted the jars to look and all of that and making Pinterest boards for what I wanted my brand to look like happened while I was at work. And how did you introduce that to the market? So you came up with all of this while at your your nine to five job, you literally just did the work and and Googled and researched yep. to build. Like I just don't. I'm always curious as to how someone comes up with an actual physical skincare product who's never been in that industry, nope, who all. has no background like creating formulas or building product lines. And I've I've used a few of the butters. Mango's my favorite. Just if anybody's out there and and wants to purchase that one. Um, lemon is great as well. But like, how did you like, I just, I'm just curious, like, how were you able to scale from I created this body brother? Did you start with like your friends and family, like introducing it to them, then it branched out word of mouth, and then it just grew to what it is today? Yes. I got a whole system over there. Yeah. So I started out, you know, of course, when you, you're starting out, you're just, you know, I just, started posting um on on Facebook I'm working on this you know on this you know new body product I want people to you know hit send me a DM or a message if you would like to try it um so I just started giving it away like giving away the like uh, at the time when I was making soaps they were like fancy looking soaps so I would make the soap and they would have like shaved swirls all that you know like stuff that I do not do now I found that that was very time consuming but in the mm-hmm. beginning that's, you know, like you're posting like a really pretty uh, soap. I remember going to one of our friend's house and giving it to him. And he was like, man, this looks nice. Y'all got these, you know, these freaky looking soaps. Like they, it was like colorful <laughs> and everything. So I just would like show up and bring people soaps, body butters and get their feedback. You know, like they, you know, their honest feedback. Do you like it? Was it moisturizing? Is it too oily? And I, you know, started getting feedback and that was very positive. And so I went to Rick and said, you know, like, I think we can really turn this into something big. He had already, you know, had experience in business and he, you know, has a design background. So we designed the labels and the jar, you know, decided the aesthetic that we wanted for the brand. I hate it. Like when I look back now at what it looked like, I hate it. But at the time it worked, you know, that was 2013. Mm -hmm. And I think after I um, spent like a year of like just giving it out, seeing, you know, seeing what worked, what didn't work. Then we decided to launch at the end of that year. 
our website and things just grew, you know, grew from there. And within like three months at our, you know, I said, ended up getting a meeting with Whole Foods. So I started the brand. I was giving it out for free, launched it in December of 2013. By February of 2014, I already had a meeting with Whole Foods. How did that happen? Girl, I don't know. I don't know. I really feel like, so I had an email, like somebody has sent an email. They were meeting with um, like Michigan brands. I have no idea how I, they found me or whatever, because remember I told you I had just started like our website. Yeah. Wasn't like I was, I knew knew anything about SEO or them or them searching and finding me or anything. It was literally just a website that I built um, myself. You know, we took photos, posted it and Hey, this will just be a side hustle. I still had a job. So it was no pressure if it did well or didn't do well. So they, I got mm-hmm. an email saying they were going to meet with Michigan brands, like an open meeting with the whole foods in East Lansing. So I went to the meeting and they, you know, they sampled, tried the product, asked me what ingredients, you know, percentages that I was using in there. Do we use, you know, like are any chemicals or anything that are, that are harmful to the skin or the body inside the product, send them my ingredients list, send them my supplier list so they could vet everything. And they liked it, told me about getting barcodes and doing like a recall plan. So when I'm sitting in there, I had no idea what any of this stuff really meant. But I sat there and acted like I knew. And then (laughs) like, yeah, you have a recall plan? Like, sure. Yeah, I'll get that. I didn't even have barcodes on the products. So I'm learning, you know, just learning on the fly. And I figured I had nothing to lose. So exactly. So this was for East Lansing store. That was going to be opening, but we were meeting at the Ann Arbor location. So after the meeting, they agreed. They told me everything that I would need to do to get the product ready. um, And they would reach out with next steps. But on my way out to my car, like I was leaving out to my car, I went to the body section in the Ann Arbor store and asked if I could speak to the, the manager in the body care section. They found the manager, the person that's, you know, responsible for bringing in product. And I said, you know, hey, I just met with, you know, with, you know, some of your corporate members, your corporate team members for the East Lansing store. Like, remember, I hadn't even got into the other store, but because now <laughs> I'm talking to her saying, you know, I just met in a meeting with them. I'm a local, you know, mm-hmm. see, I'm a black woman, you know, I have a product, you know, that's that stuff actually does, you know, does help because then now they can say, oh, yeah, we carry, you know, products by, you know, other local black women. Mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. So she liked it. I left her with samples. And then I think within a week or two, she emailed me and said that they wanted to carry the product in the Ann Arbor store, too. Wow. You know, Adriana, I never was in the East Lansing store. Really? I never got in there. It was opening and I ended up in the Ann Arbor store and then Ann Arbor led to Troy. Then Troy led to Detroit. So we did that for like five years in those three stores. Wow. But it gave me the opportunity to learn how to, you know, to, to do wholesale Mm -hmm. and to also decide, do I want wholesale as my business approach or direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate like being at Whole Foods allowed the brand to grow faster than I intended. Mm-hmm. Is that the moment when you had to give notice at your full-time job? Girl, no, that was 2013. I left <laughs> corporate America in the end of 2015. Oh, wow. So, so you were in all those Whole Foods stores. Working. Wow. At a- 
Yes. Oh, wow. They didn't even know I had a job. They thought I was doing the brand full time. Oh, they my God. Was, you know, like I was doing it in my home in a designated space. Like literally I have a small, you know, small home, small section. Like, hey, don't touch these. These are for Whole Foods, you know, and this is your food. Like, <laughs> like I barely had any room. Separate refrigerator for our skincare products. I was actually shipping and making products, everything in my, you know, in the basement, in the kitchen. Um, and then after I got into Whole Foods, then the new stuff, then the news features and stuff happened. So I was on, you know, Channel 7. They had the, the first thing I did for the local news was called Mom's a Genius, where they actually came into my home and watched me make the product, talked to me about my kids and being a mother and running a business. And again, I still didn't like I was on the news and everything. Like my boss at the job was like, Yolanda, I saw you on the news, had no idea you had a business. <laughs> I was going to say, what was the reaction? So, you know, but it wasn't, comp- you know, I didn't do anything unethical or, you yeah. know, say anything, but it was like, wow, this girl's just coming in here every single day. And we had no idea that, you know, number one, then they found out, okay, her husband owns a sneaker store and then she's running a business. And I was sitting in the cubicle like everybody else. <laughs> they knew that eventually like okay she's not gonna be here long so when you were producing these orders for whole foods did you have to hire a team then or was it you yeah. and rick just grinding it out a team no <laughs> we had no team it was us like i would literally like be up late you know trying to figure out how to um you know how to ship orders in the beginning um, when we had the news story, I remember like I was so excited, like, man, we have hundreds of orders coming in. And then I remember crying because I had mm-hmm. I didn't have the ingredient. Like I didn't have all the ingredients. I had maybe like 20 jars each of each scent that we had. It was a lot of work. And they're trying to do all that and then go into work the next day with all these orders sitting there. And I'm like at my cubicle and I can't do anything because I'm at work. So once things started like picking up and, you know, and really growing and burn rubber was already doing really well by then 2015 is when we decided that, okay, it's time for her to, um, you know, her to leave for y'all to leave. And Rick ended, we ended up, you know, just going full time with cream blends and then the distinct life started. I was going to ask, so when did Distinct Life come into play? So Distinct Life came into play in 2010 when Rick was designing and, you know, like kind of developing it on his own, but he was also running Burn Rubber at the time. But when I left work, when I stopped working full time is when we both kind of jumped feet first into the brand development agency. Uh, We ended up getting our very first client, which was a big client that we've had for, you know, for years and the rest is, you know, the rest is history. How did y'all go about getting that big client though? Oh my God, that was, that was a lot. So we have a business mentor. He's like a business mentor and a friend. And we sat down, we talked to him about, you know, Rick, you know, had already came up with the name Distinct Life. Just, you know, our lives are very different. Everything that we do is normally against the grain. Like most people like, hey, if they're going right, we're going left. We're always, Mm -hmm. you know, like that. So we sat down with our mentor and one of the things that he kept saying was, you know, like, we're going to land our first whale. And we're like, what do you know? He's a corporate guy, uh, works for big, you know, corporate worked. He worked for a big corporate company. Now he runs his own. He actually is a full time entrepreneur now, too. 
but we had these conversations about landing our big whale. Not that we look at people like not a disrespectful thing, but it was just like, how do we land, you know, our first whale to try to, you know, catapult our, you know, our brand development agency into what we, you know, what we wanted. We, uh, Rick and him worked on a deck. They sat down with the client, talked about what we can offer and sell them. And then that's how we landed our first account. And once you land the first one, you know, it becomes a little bit easier as you bring on other clients, learning your processes, how to, you know, how to, you know, onboard people and all of that. So we're, you know, it was like a lot. We both were learning, learning a lot at the time, like when I left. Mm -hmm. And the Sync Life has developed some pretty dope projects and partnered with some huge brands. Oh, yeah. And so talk to us a little bit about some of your sneaker collabs, like with Reebok and Puma. Like, how did those come to life? Is that an extension of Rick from Rick's sneaker boutique? Yes. So um, when Rick, you know, was, you know, was on a hundred percent, you know, like full time with, with Burn Rubber, with his partner, he was um, the one that was designing all of the products. So all of the projects. So he had taught himself Adobe Illustrator. So Rick, you know, we both graduated from Oakland University. His background was in marketing, not in design. So he, by this time, he had already taught himself photography, like through his, um, his, his friend and mentor, JD. Um, and JD, you know, kind of took, you know, like took Rick under his wing and showed him, you know, like the ropes on how to get started as a photographer. Um, JD is Eminem's photographer. So mm-hmm. he did the photography, taught himself how to do the design work. So all of this he's learning while he's at Burn Rubber. So then by the time we started the um, Distinct Life, he had already had some shoe collabs and everything. We've had Burn Rubber projects with with New Balance and by the time we started the distinct life, Rick has had like over, I don't know, maybe over 50 projects. And it's the the majority of them now are distinct life shoes. So they just came from relationships that he made um, when he owned, you know, own burn rubber and you're going out to, you know, to meetings and finding out who's who and just developing friendships and stuff like business friendships with these mm-hmm. people. And he had already had the skill set because he knows how to design now. So he, because he had spent years doing that, you know, and it wasn't necessarily like, Hey, I want to be a designer. It was really out of necessity because you're a small business and you don't have the money to pay a photographer mm-hmm. or to pay a designer. So it almost ended up working to, you know, it, it not almost, it worked to our advantage by not having that it pushed him into a new, you know, new role. And this is something that we've been able to feed our family with from that skill set. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one, like you trying to, like you figuring out how to create formulas, Rick teaching himself, like all the design softwares and photography, like when you're building something and, and you don't have the money to pay anyone, but you have this dope idea that you're really passionate about and you can see like the success at the end of it, you're going to do what you got to do to like figure it out. Yeah. And I think, and there's no, like I tell people, there's no, like to me, there's no, no experience lost. Mm -hmm. So whether I was working, Mm -hmm. let's say I have a degree in English and all the, like, you're like, okay, I'm not even in education. I'm not a writer right now. What am I really doing? It was a waste of time. And it really wasn't because every, like before we even could make it, like all the PR and everything that we've done, like has been me me writing press releases when I didn't even understand how to, like I literally Googling how to format a press release, mm-hmm. how, who to send it to, 
you know, how to, you know, put the date and how to put our contact information, literally learning on the fly. And so that writing is what, you know, helped us because we didn't have a PR, you know, firm. We, you know, like we were literally trying to learn and do everything. When I was working in education sales, even though it you it would seem like it has nothing to do with what we're doing in entrepreneurship, there's a certain confidence that you have when you're in sales. Mm-hmm. All my clients were on the East Coast. I'm a very direct, straight to the point type of person. And it creates like you're not afraid of anything. You're not, you're like the worst somebody can say to you is no. That's not a big deal. It's not gonna, exactly. you know, gonna break me. So that confidence made it so that I can go into Whole Foods with no experience at all and tell them that I knew what I was doing. Come on. And look, it you worked know, out. Like I didn't know what I was doing at all. And it was you know, it was scary. But when I, to get back in the car and tell Rick, like, man, I just landed Whole Foods. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Pardon my French, if there are any kids watch listening. Like, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't believe it. And then I, you know, went back into work. <laughs> and the next I love that. Week. So, you know. I legit you- love that you were in there like, yeah, I got a recall plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll, I got my barcodes coming up. And yeah. then you straight went to the product manager for that specific location. And yes. got you a PO with yes. Whole Foods. Yes, told them I just yeah, I just met with your other store. The store <laughs> opened up. You don't know that we just started in December. You don't. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't know any of that. At this point, Jorina, I was still printing my labels from our home compute, like our home printer. So once I landed Whole Foods, everything had to shift because You'll find out real quick when you're printing from a home computer and your store, your product is on a shelf. What happens when people continue to touch the jars, the ink rub? Mm-hmm. So there were like mm-hmm. we were learning like, OK, we got to get real UV coated labels. We have to get barcodes. Um, we have to have a recall plan. A recall plan is if, you know, let's say somebody opens a jar and there's mold or something that happens to be in it. We need to pull the lot numbers from all of those that skew or that group to make sure that, you know, that another customer doesn't get a batch from, you know, a jar that was from that batch number. So these are things that we learned that I was learning. And it was almost like, man, like you went from this girl, like I have a degree in English and now I'm learning about supply chain management. Mm -hmm. And, and it, you know, it was a really great experience. Like that's something that I definitely, I tell people Whole Foods was a great experience for me, even though we didn't get rich from that. We learned a lot and the marketing behind it, it was like you're a small brand. And once you tell people, they're like, you know, hey, would you like to try my product? And they're like, oh, no, I'm OK. You're like, yeah, we're in the Whole Foods here, here, here. And they're like, oh, well, let me try it then, because you're using mm-hmm. their name to build the credibility mm-hmm. of the brand. Talk about that, because I feel like a lot of people who don't know haven't gone through like a wholesale mm-hmm. retail experience will think like getting in. A retailer is key and it'll make you a millionaire or you'll just start seeing the money come in. Or it'll make you uh, bankrupt. Exactly. Because you have to fulfill those orders. Yes, you have to fulfill. And guess what? If you ship an order or a badge and it's lost or the jars are broken within the shipment or whatever, you there you eat that like and you have to reship it. If you're in Target or wherever and they discount a product, they can send you the 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 bill for the fact that they had to discount it because it's been sitting on our shelf for so long. 
And then these are things that I've learned just from friends who have products in these stores. They're an excellent look. Like they definitely help the brand, but you also have to pay for marketing. Marketing for people to go to Target or Walmart or wherever to get your product. And then you have to pay for marketing for people to go on your website and order as well. Yeah. They don't pay for marketing. You know, so if your product is there, you got to find a way to move it. You got to get people, yep. So since you have... You, so it helps to have a little bit of some financial cushion when you're going in, right? Yep. To a retailer. Do you feel like you had enough of a cushion to help sustain the the life shelf, the shelf life, excuse me, of cream blends and Whole Foods? Well, with Whole Foods, one of the things that, that helped us is that they ordered, like I said, that they were ordering basically for the shelf. So whatever's on the shelf, they don't, they didn't have the ones that I was in, didn't have like a room with backstop. Whatever was out on the shelf was out. When that shelf got empty, you came back the next week and put more products. Mm. Came back and put, you know, more products. So for us, it wasn't like, they're like, okay, we're ordering a thousand of these jars and they have to sell by, you know, by this time. It was, it made it easier for me because they were buying smaller batches and we were doing demos and everything inside the stores and then they would sell and then you would re-up again. So it was like, it was almost like you're in this big retailer, but it was like having a mom and pop store selling your product. So they would call, you could call, or I could walk into Troy and say, Hey, they're getting low. And then send an email like, Hey, do you guys want me to send you another box, you know, tomorrow or next week? And they would say yes. Um, And then we would just deliver it there. So I like that. So I didn't, it didn't break, you know, bankrupt mm-hmm. me trying to keep up with it. Now, if I had been in a Walmart or a Target at that time with no investor or any of that, it would have. Because people don't realize you're not paid up front. Sometimes it's net 30 and them 30 days can go feel like a long time. <laughs> exactly. Especially especially if you're banking on that, that invoice sure. being paid, right? Yeah. You're like, you got you to gotta produce the next batch. You do, and you need the money to produce the next batch. Yeah. And you don't want to call and necessarily sound super desperate and basically tell them, like, until, like, I can't go to the next step until y'all pay. I didn't have, I've never had a loan from a bank. Um, like, we were bootstrapped, mm-hmm. you know, we were bootstrapped at the time. So, you know, it was tough, but, you know, we use things like, you know, any loan, Shopify loans, you know, based on sales. It was like a lot of, you know, things that we had to do. I don't necessarily recommend that, you know, all the time just because of the interest rates and, you know, you end up yeah. making no money. But for some people, in order to keep their business alive, they have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think just... I think that's a lot. That's something that a lot of people don't understand. Getting in these big retailers is great for visibility, but once you're in there, you got to get folks in those stores to purchase the, your product. So then you can start seeing like a return on invest investment because it's essentially for y'all it's an investment because yeah. you have to you have to shell out money to produce and to fulfill those POs. Yeah. The good thing, though, I feel like um, like for somebody whose strategy is wholesale, mine wasn't like I don't mm. want wholesale. I still don't. I don't want wholesale. You still I still don't. OK. I have no desire. I always felt like it would be like me be having a boss again. Because mm. now I'm like, I just didn't like that feeling. No, like whoever is going that route, that is fine. You know, that's that's their route for me. I just wanted to just be direct to consumer. 
Mm-hmm. I'll make it. I control my brand story. I control who they're in contact with in the store. You know, in the stores and stuff, you don't know who they're talking to. It could be some employee that hates their job and they're like, hey, does this product have almond oil? My kid's allergic. And they're like, this is not my department. Mm-hmm. And their experience with even shopping for the brand is based on variables that I can't control. So I want to control it. But for us, it does allow it. Like we do grow fat, like we grow slower trying to go the the route that I'm, you know, trying to go, but I'm okay with that because we have multiple streams of income and multiple businesses to where I'm not, I'm not pressed. Oh, come on. You know, like, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to sound like cocky. No, or anything. Li- listen, you know you're not, you're like, not. You're not. I'm going to just, I'm going to just hype you up. Come on. Because yeah, like a lot of people don't understand like the, why is, as an entrepreneur, you need multiple streams of income sometimes because like, you, like with y'all with Cream Blend, like you waiting for those POs to be, you know, fulfilled. Uh, you waiting for those invoices to come in. And even with me, when I started, like I, I, I had to wait for a lot of people to like pay these invoices. And if your livelihood depends on that invoice being paid, you got to figure out other methods to get some money into your household so you can help pay the bills. Yeah, and I be telling Look, I people. I work at J. Crew. I worked at J. Crew part time really? while building my company. Yeah, okay. like I didn't. I had no. I had no investors, and I still don't. And I'm always like, oh, if I gotta go back somewhere, I'm gonna go. I will know how to get some money if with PR goes down. Yeah. Yep. Because you have to. And then you too, like you're with your business, like you're educating people. Like I know with PL, like some people feel like, okay, I'm going to get this feature. And when it's featured, I'm expecting X amount of dollars to come in and then I can pay the PR company. And then yep. they're like, no, nothing happened right away. And then you like, yep. yeah, I still need you to pay that. <laughs> just because they ain't happy, they mean we do that just on your path. Yeah, like, I've already done, you know, done the work. But I think people don't really realize you know, like having multiple streams make, you know, especially now with the pandemic, like when people have, have shut down and you can't, you know, they're like, hey, you can, you're a nail tech or whatever. You can't go in and do nails. You can't do hair. Yeah. If you yep. see, you know what unemployment pays? Nothing. And unemployment, y'all know, is taking, is taking a lot of folks to get their unemployment checks. Yeah, I had to call in people who like work there to look at my family members mm-hmm. like, because the, the line was busy. It was like really real during the beginning um, of COVID and people couldn't, you know, some people literally all they have is that next check that's coming. Yep. That's the majority of Americans. So it's not like mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'm set for six months if this lockdown happens for six months. Mm-hmm. Hell, that was, I'm not even ready for six months. Yeah, kind of clear. I I have it, but I'm it's gonna clear it out. Yeah, you're not trying to go down to zero. Yeah, Yeah. like that's you know that's scary. So for us, I feel like having multiple streams, being able to have different skill sets. Um, people don't know like Rick cuts hair. We're hustlers, so whatever happens, it's like well, bet I'll go. I'll cut hair if I ever had to go back to to working or whatever it was. So. I think having that made it a lot easier for me. And honestly, even when I was working and having cream blends, the job felt different. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel as, I didn't feel as trapped mm-hmm. because I had something else that I knew was, you know, it was moving slow. 
but I, I felt like I was moving in the right direction and you feel, you know, you feel good about like, okay, I'm coming to work, but you know, Hey, if they lay me off or whatever, I'll just do this full time. Cause I'm working on multiple things, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, not that I'm trying to be a master of none, but I knew that I had different skill sets that I was putting to work all at the same time. And that's what I, I, I mean, I, because I've, I've worked with you and Rick, obviously, but I've also watched all from afar since we've gotten to know each other. And that's what I love about y'all partnership and how y'all are building like this family business empire. And so you, you, you guys are featured in this month's Essence magazine, February 2022, yeah. we're in 2022, right? And it's, it's around family business and building generational wealth. When you and Rick like are home now, brainstorming, collaborating, was the initial goal for you to like start these businesses and run these businesses with him and build this family empire? Because I mean, like this summer, y'all were just announced as the creative directors for the St. Regis Hotel in Detroit. So like yeah. y'all have multiple things happening. Mm-hmm. Two yeah. questions, like, was that, the, was that the goal? And second is, how's that, I mean, I know you're going to tell me, you know, you and Rick, you know, compliment each other, but how is that working with your husband? I feel like it's always been the goal mm-hmm. for us, even before we knew what it looked like. Um, I remember, like, Rick and I, like, when we first got married, we had, you know, we had nothing. We lived in subsidized housing. Um, we had our, our first apartment was based on our, you know, our townhome was based, which was really nice, y'all. Like, I really wish they, I could go back, but I'm, we make too much now. Um, but it was like, <laughs> we were paying like $500 for like this three bedroom, two bathroom townhome that we had when we first got together. And we were just building. We were like, I don't know what, you know, there were times where we were like, I need your half. Uh, you know, of the rent because, you know, we got to pay rent and we were just really struggling trying to figure out what our future would look like, but we knew it was going to be great. We just didn't know when. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, it works just because we always understood that even for our children, like, you know, some people are like, Hey, I'm building this business cream blend. So I want my kids to run the business when they're Mm -hmm. old. That's not generational wealth. Mm -hmm. That's I'm leaving them a job. If I'm not doing it the right way, I want them to understand the principles. We want them to understand the principles of money and, you know, and and having your money work when you're not working. And so we're making the, you know, the mistakes and things now to teach them, you know, what nice not to do. And I know that they'll make, those, you know, some of those mistakes again, but at least we get giving them the right foundation to show them mm-hmm. you know, what it what it looks like. So for our kids, it's just a little bit different. Like our son is a gamer our nine-year-old. So he's playing, you know, people tell him like, you know, make sure you're focused on, you know, education and school and stuff and don't spend too much time playing video games. And he's like, but my dad had, you know, helped one of his clients, Ninja, and Ninja makes like 60, 70 grand a day streaming. (laughs) Drina, to a kid that he's never going to see things Mm -hmm. like the same. Yeah. Because he understands like, man, like what? Yeah, this little boy, Ryan Mason, that you're watching every day on TV has toys and stuff and his brand all in Target. He understands that, you know, how to, crazy. Mm-hmm. how to create things and be, you know, so it's going to be very difficult for my kids to go and say, you know, I want to work. Mm-hmm. A regular job. They can. 
Like my one son, he may not want to be an entrepreneur because he's an engineer. Like he loves engineering and robotics and and all of that. And I told him, whatever you choose to do, just you're going to know your worth in everything. So for us, we didn't know what it looked like, but we always knew that this was the route we were going to take. Yeah. And I mean, you are the example. You and Rick are the example for your, your, your kids. And like you said, they see Ryan, they see the projects I are working on. So like you said, they have the flexibility to decide what they want to do. Yeah. But they, they are also learning there's a whole nother world of where you can succeed without working a nine to five. Absolutely. And then, you know, Rick, we both grow, you know, I grew up in a single, single parent household. I've seen, you know, my mom busting her ass to try to raise yep. two children. We didn't have mm-hmm. you know, government assistance. I've walked mm-hmm. to the store with food stamps in my hand before. I've underst- I understand mm-hmm. what it's like. And I think what pushes us is the fact that like when, you know, and not saying that that we have the the secret to, you know, to life or to everything. But I always tell my kids, like sometimes you'll see like rich people, you know, like let's say they commit suicide. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is very unfortunate. Because either they lost it, lost money or something's not working. I tell people I've been poor before and we were happy. So I can always, I know Mm -hmm. how to go back to that and still, and still survive, still have a good meal on the table and still have a clean house and be okay with that. So for us, it's forced, it's made it so that we're not desperate. We're not looking at opportunities like, oh my God, I need this in order to survive. I need this deal. I need that. Like Mm -hmm. we're passionate about. And then I feel like God just opens the doors for what's, you know, for what's next. And our kids, I want them. I don't want to leave them a job. I just want to leave them with, you know, understanding, you know, money, understanding, following their passions and that the money will follow, you know, Mm -hmm. once they do whether it's in a job or, you know, creating one. I love that. So Yolanda, yo, uh-huh. if you're friends with her, that's what you can call her. Yes, yo. Mm-hmm. And I, I am, so I can. Yes. <laughs> Just real quick, because I, I hope everyone gets the sense of everything that you do and the multiple businesses and projects that you are working on. But how in the hell do you squeeze in homeschool? You do it. Yes. You're homeschooling your two children, running two businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Also the creative, one of the creative directors for the St. Regis in Detroit. Yes. How? And y'all, she rides her, her, she rides her Peloton and now she got to try it. So I'm just trying <laughs> to figure out how, how, just tell me how you're doing all this. Girl, I don't know. Like when we first, you know, like. Like, I'd always been thinking about, like, homeschooling my children. Like, my son, you know, was in, you know, school district where there were a lot of racial issues and stuff that had happened previously, like, before the pandemic had started. So once everything started and the kids went virtual and the schools were confused, I said, okay, well, this is the sign I needed. I'm going to just, you know, just pull them out and I'll just homeschool. I think what makes it easy for me to do homeschool and businesses and all of that is that is this. The face of education is changing. The traditional, your kid is in school from 8 to 3.30 and they have to be in there learning the whole time is out the window. Kids don't even need all of that. The whole traditional school day was based on people's work schedules. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like your child, there's no way your child from eight to three is sitting there. And someone's drilling them and teaching them the whole time. You can't because they're little. They're like they, they need playtime. They need gym time, all of that. So once I got in my mind that, you know, like this is what I need to teach my son. And it's not going to look like a traditional school setting. So I, mm-hmm. I don't sit there with him from eight until three. We might. Okay. He might wake up at nine and we might go for two hours and then, hey, mommy has to go up to the office work on this while I'm done, while I'm gone. I'll check. Like I literally, before I um, talked to you, it just quizzed them on his, you know, his multiplication facts via FaceTime while I'm at the office and he shows me the cards <laughs> and I, you know, like, so for us, it just fits into just our schedule. And okay. and I don't look at it like, okay, he has to be learning, you know, uh, six hours. That would be like, oh, you're homeschooling. And from eight until three, I'm homeschooling. No, we have set times. He may have a break for a couple hours so I could do a meeting. Then we might pick back up at night where he's reading to me. He's learning from his brother. He might come to work with us and help with orders. He might be with his dad learning about gaming or listening to a call with him and Ninja. He's the ninja's the Fortnite guy for anybody that doesn't know. Like, so he's learned, like education is all around you. Mm-hmm. So if I'm like on Wednesday, we're not learning anything. I want to take you guys to the Detroit science center. That's what we're going to do today. The next day, next week it'd be, we're going to the zoo or we're out of town. Like we're at, a, like I've um, re- last year, we got an Airbnb for a couple weeks weeks um, in Florida where they could swim every day, but you could still be learning, but you had this option of, okay, when school is over, I can go swimming because we mm-hmm. have a pool. So for us, homeschool, just like entrepreneurship was all about the freedom to say, you know, like if we're learning, if it's Black History Month and I want to take them to the Smithsonian and DC, that's where we're going, you know, and not being subject to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, personal schedule. And I know everyone's life isn't set up like that. So yeah. I'm just, you know, grateful that that we're able to. Mm-hmm. I love that because honestly, you, you're right. When people think about education, they think like straight six hours. Even when you're doing homeschool, you know, I was naive and was like, "Yo, how is Yolanda doing that straight for like four or five hours?" No, but I like that you're breaking it up because honestly, at the beginning of the pandemic, when school was shut down, and I was I was doing homeschool kindergarten. I know I was failing. I wasn't. I wasn't doing something right, and I was like, I don't know how. <laughs> and how I will say this: too. kindergarten is it like my kids are a little older now. So Mason's in fourth grade. My son Ricky is in ninth grade. I didn't okay. experience this when they were young. Young, you know what I'm saying? Like I tell people all the time. They're like when they ask me, like, "Do you uh, will you homeschool my preschool school age kid?" I'm like, "Oh no." If I do homeschool for anybody, it's going to start third grade and up. Like your kid, I don't care if they five, they're going to be in third grade when they come to ITL. That's where we at. I don't do, you know, circle time and all of that. Circle time, like trying to teach them how to write, addition, uh-huh. like we number lines. Even now with someone, I'm like, yo, dude, how long have you been out of school? Because it's some things that I'm like, oh, my God, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, me either. Like, I literally, I so I had, and then here's the thing, too. So I'm homeschooling, but I also use my community and other resources to supplement mm-hmm. when I'm not able to teach something. So I told you, my degree is in English. Anything reading, writing, I got you. I literally understand how to teach kids how to read. I understand phonics. 
um, the rules and all of that when it comes to grammar and the, you know, and teaching that when it comes to math, I'm not good at it. Um, yep. I never was good at math. So I, there's this thing called out school. Have you heard of out school? My friend Unique actually told me about this last month because she yeah, was using it earlier. You do? She, yeah. she said the same thing. Yeah. Out school. So now like he's in, like, I just enrolled him in the, this class is twice a week. It's taught by a fourth grade certified teacher and they go over math. Like, so from January 24th until March, they're learning about fractions. So mm. I'm literally like when he's in the class and he's like, this kid's in Minnesota, this kid's in Illinois, like he's making friends that don't even live here. And they're mm. talking about different, you know, like different, Things like he was talking about snow to a kid that's, you know, that never experienced snow. And they're like, oh, I wish I had snow there, you know. So I'm learning, like I'm utilizing resources. So because I'm like, I'm not good at teaching that. So mm-hmm. while she's teaching him, I'm learning too. So there's so many different things. Like there's Kumon learning. Like, you know, you could take mm-hmm. them in you know, one, you know, twice a week to, you know, to Kumon Learning Center and learning, you know, learning about mental math and how to develop that. So there's just so many things. Like if you want them to learn a language, you can take them to a language coach or a tutor or Rosetta Stone. Like there's different resources that we use to supplement. Mm, okay. Now I see how you're doing it. I can now write I get a picture. I need to write a whole little book on homeschooling, non-traditional. Yeah, look, you should. A little ebook. Yeah. Drop that in, yep. that in the um, channel. Let me know. Because I know if anybody can blow it up, it's you. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Let me tell um, you. Get, y'all better book this appointment with Drina because he is the goat of fear. Knock it off. Yes. Yeah, Thank no. you for that, though. Thank you. I want to ask you a few more questions just, just about your journey as an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of people share the successes and the high points along their you know, entrepreneur, you know, path. Mm-hmm. What would you say has been one of your greatest accomplishments and one of your, you know, the biggest failures thus far, if you've experienced it in both the Sync Life and Clean Blend? Oh, failure? Like maybe a failure that you, you felt could have made you consider like, you know what, what, what you and I talk about, when mm-hmm. you're like, you know, I'm ready to close up shop. Or let yeah. me go on and going back to a nine to five. Has there been a moment in either Cream Blends or the Sync Life where you're like, I think I need to figure out a pivot? Yes. With both companies, predominantly with Cream Blends, um, <laughs> just because it's such a labor intensive business. And I won't lie. You know, I don't lie to anybody. I always tell people the truth. Like there literally are days where like I just told you guys before, you know, like I have friends that work in corporate America that can clock out at five o'clock, not think about their job anymore and be making, you know, way more money than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think sometimes, you know, you just start getting frustrated because you're like, what made it hard for me was when you start looking outside of your business and you're looking at other people and you're seeing people that are getting shine and they're doing things that are similar. And you're like, Oh my God, this person just got an influx of 3 million in their business and 10 million. And this person is starting a skincare company, but they're already a celebrity. So they already can get, you know, they already Mm -hmm. have the, you know, the, you know, like people already know who they are. There's already brand recognition. They have a name. Mm -hmm everything. So you start getting frustrated, like, man, Lord, why is it taking me so long? I don't want to feel like I'm on a hamster wheel where we're moving, we're getting PR, we're getting press, people know who we are, but then I'm not 
capturing any of the money from mm-hmm. it. You're always the person to get paid last. So it can get frustrating when you're like, man, I'm, you know, I'm working. I have to hire new employees. You have to, you know, upgrade machines and systems and you got to hire PR people. I got a digital marketing company that we pay to run ads. And you're like, oh my God, everybody's getting paid except me. Yep. And I'm not saying that like you're getting zero, but when I'm saying paid, it's like pay, pay. Like, yeah, like when you see what you pay out and then with yeah. to, to manage your overhead and then you see what you bring home. Yeah. yeah. What? This, you like, I pay, okay, 20,000 in ads, 30,000 in ads, and they do well. Is that monthly or is that, monthly. what's that? See, talk about it. Monthly. <laughs> talk about it. Okay. And you have to do that to stay, you know, like to, to, to keep the momentum going. And in the beginning, we weren't running ads or doing anything. You know, I thought I could just click boost on a post and put a couple hundred dollars <laughs> in, and that was it. What you put behind them boost ads? What you doing? Just not doing nothing. I felt like it was just wasting my money. But I got a lot of likes, but then you're like, okay, but nothing happened. Nobody clicked and did anything. Yeah. So I think it's just, you have to just focus on on you. What, mm-hmm. I can't lie and say that you don't look at other people and and assume and, and feel a, a way like I'm working just as hard, if not harder. Lord, there has to be a pay, you know, a payoff from this. I'm hiring black women. I'm trying to, you know, I pay my employees well. It's not, you know, like it's like if you start off work, like I'm not trying to, I'm not even paying minimum wage. Even if you're like, okay, nobody can really live off 20 an hour or whatever, but you're like, man, I'm hiring people out the gate. Mm-hmm. That are young living at the at the crib, you know, with with that amount, like trying to do what I can and making sure, you know, hey, they get a vacation. Like after Christmas, after we get the orders out for two weeks, we're on vacation. You don't have to work. So I feel like you, you just feel like you're doing everything that you can. But sometimes it can feel like you're on a hamster wheel moving, but you haven't moved. If mm-hmm. you know, sense, but we are mm-hmm. moving. Sometimes you just get frustrated in your feelings like uh, I can just go back to work if I want to be, you know, making nothing. Yep. So you got to struggle. You know, like I literally just spoke a few weeks ago and this lady, um, it was like at this event and everybody there was entrepreneurs mostly. And this lady stood up and she was just saying that she had learned a lot and was motivated. She was like, but I'm not an entrepreneur. I have a job. And I interrupted her and told her, like, girl, I was just looking for a job yesterday. Like, because people don't understand you go back and forth like some you understand you understand Mm -hmm. as the visionary you're like man but if i went and let's say i worked for a huge pr company and they're paying me big bucks to just work work Mm -hmm. you know focus on my few clients Mm -hmm. versus going out and killing and you know you got to eat what you kill yeah listen and plus some linkedin person them LinkedIn job descriptions that I be getting in my email all the time. I'm like, shit, I bet I already know myself. If I go back in to work for somebody else, I'm already going with the mentality that I ran, like I ran a business for XYZ amount of years. How are you going to come and try to tell me how yeah. to do XYZ? You know what I'm So that's, it's a difficult transition. It when is. You think, when you do think about going back at house somewhere, you do like, think about. No, Drina, like even when I look, I'm like, first of all, LinkedIn, that's where I be seeing the job stuff too. I'm like, oh, Meta, they hiring everybody. <laughs> Creative directors, 
I could be a But kid. you already know, yo, you could flip that and be like, let me see if I can flip this into a consultant opportunity. Oh right. You can <laughs> send Mark. Hey, Mark, my name is Yolanda. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like you just feel like, but then I know that I can't do it. I also understand my worth. I t- like, I know yep. too much. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to go, even if somebody's like, we pay this amount per hour. I'm like, are you serious? Like, that yeah. ain't get me up out of bed yep every day so and to, you can't pay me enough to be like in corporate america i know that i would end up on a zoom every 10 minutes so i'm not trying to be on zoom calls all day <laughs> exactly so you kind of snap out of it but you have these moments of like i'm human you know so mm-hmm. i'm gonna have feelings of feeling like i'm not moving fast enough and i'm also very hard on myself like i don't really celebrate super long like even with some like even with the essence article and stuff and like and people hit you up and they're like oh my god that is huge that's big you're like yep thank you on to the net like I gotta I have to keep it moving because I I don't want to get too comfortable and feel like I've arrived and I haven't but I don't know when I'll ever feel like I've arrived Mm. I'm always working but I know I have to stop and start celebrating those small wins and really you know I could, I feel that though I do because it took me a minute and I still don't fully celebrate. <laughs> but you, I, I'm a little upset that you said you didn't fully celebrate that because you should. Yeah, I mean it's big. So it's like I celebrate Drina, but it's not like on internally. I feel like I'm always yeah, like you already you already on to the next thing, but you already know you gotta hey. you gotta. I, I want you to just at least sit down. Pour you a nice little cocktail. You know what I'm saying? And soak it in. Who knows what that feature is going to turn into for you and Rick? Yeah, it's already turned into stuff. I'll tell you that offline, though. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Look, I'm about to sing y'all something now since you said y'all ain't going to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. Just wait, it's coming. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm just very grateful. I just think I need to just, you know, I'm hard on myself. It takes a lot for me to really feel like I'm, you know, I've done enough. But you know what? Yeah, Cause I'm the same, like I said, I'm the same way, but like just even hearing, like you grew up in a single parent household, right? Mm-hmm. So you Four. saw the, you know, you saw the struggle, you mm-hmm. saw the hustle. So that was instilled in you. So you keep you like you keep moving to the next thing. You keep like doing what you got to do to survive and to like build and grow. So you yeah. don't really have that time to sit and be like, "Oh my God, this happened." Mm-mm. And I think for me too, like when people, you, like I've always heard people, like certain people say, "Hey, I don't need to be rich. Like I'm fine. You know, like I can. Mm-hmm. If nothing ever happened for me, like I'm perfectly fine. And how, like how much money I make, all of that. And I can't say that. And the reason being is not because I'm trying to buy Chanel bags and be on, you know, on somebody's mm-hmm. private island all the time. It's because, Drina, I have a family, family mm-hmm. members that are only going to thrive through me. Mm-hmm. They're hard workers. They go mm-hmm. to work every day. They never call off. My mother, my dad. Mm-hmm. I, I got to be rich for them. For my niece who, you know, my brother was killed. She's still here. Like, so for me, I think I, I like when I'm looking at success or looking at obtaining more, it's not just for me and my household. It's like my family's depending on me. Mm. You know, that part, it's, that bigger, part, it's bigger than you. 
is way bigger than me. So I got to have money. It takes money to, you know, like how Jay-Z said, you know, I can't help the poor if I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. I want people to be like, man, like I can't pay my rent this month. And I'm literally like, here you go. Don't even worry about it. And that's going to come back to you tenfold. Don't even worry about it. You know how that feels to tell somebody Mm -hmm. like a couple, two, three months of their mortgage or rent paid. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I do. I've done it for my mom. I do. Don't it feel? It just feels different. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, mm-hmm. this is what I'm working for. Yeah. And it, you know, for them, it for them it like means everything. Yeah. And for you, it's just like a sense of purpose. Like, why wouldn't I? If I'm in this, if I'm in this place, when I can, where I could do that, why wouldn't I? Why would? Especially like your mom, your family members, right? Yeah. And you, they're working hard. And my parent, you know, my uh, my stepdad's in his 60s and he, you know, he mm-hmm. goes, never calls off or anything, never calls off sick, nothing. He's at, at work, worked through the entire pandemic because he works for, you know, for a shipping, like a major shipping company. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're getting older. Yeah. You know, so these are the things that I, you know, that I think about. One of my friends is uh, Mia Ray and everybody know Mia Ray in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And she just bought her sister a house. I love that. When I watch those type of videos, it just does. It's like, man, this is, it's just, I don't know. It just really is. That's what, what I want. And it's because you want people to have that stability and feel like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to lose it and be on the street or whatever it is. I don't know the full situation, but it's stories like that, that really make me feel like, you know, I got to keep going. I love that. got to keep going. So. All right, I'm gonna ask you two, uh, like three quick fire questions. Okay. Um, before we wrap, and this is just something I like to ask people just to get quick little tidbit. Okay. What's the best advice you've received? The best advice I received out of all of it, I don't know. It's hard to just pick pick one business advice. Personal. Yes. Let's do business advice. Let's do business. The best advice, like. Is to to know, <laughs> your, know, your know your numbers. Know your numbers. Okay. okay. I see you say and, you know retention rate, conversion mm-hmm. rate, your month over month, all of that. That has really helped me a lot. I've seen you say the slow pace of consistency is better than the fast pace of mediocrity. What does that mean? Take your time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I feel like there's no rush. You know how somebody like, let's just take your time. Just the mm-hmm. slow pace is consistent. Like, let's say I'm a photographer and I'm learning and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm and I'm out here shooting and it's like, I'm just learning. I'm trying to learn my style. I'm trying to learn different angles, different locations, everything. I'm not trying to immediately start doing a master class two days after I got my camera. Okay. <laughs> when you're not building businesses, what can we find you doing outside um, of homeschool? Outside of homeschool, writing, mm-hmm. writing what what I want to write, not product description. <laughs> yes. And what do you want to write? Nonfiction, like my thoughts on you know, on just different different aspects of life. Got it, Yolanda. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. Conversation. And tell everyone where they can follow you across all social platforms. And where they can go purchase some some cream blends. 
Okay, so on social media, you can follow me at, so my personal page is Yolanda, Y-O-L-A-N-D-A-W-L-M-S, Yolanda Wilms um, on Instagram, at Cream Blends on Instagram, at Distinct Life. Cream Blends is our skincare company. Distinct Life is our brand development agency. Um, And you can find us or shop on www.creamblends.com or distinctlife.com. All right. Well, Yolanda Williams, thank you for joining me today. And I can't wait to see what's next for y'all. Look out for my package in the mail. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate you.